Well, hey, everybody, we've come to the middle of the week. Today, we are in 1 John chapter 3, so open your Bible there if you haven't done so already. And while you're doing that, just want to remind everybody so you can be planning accordingly that on December 24, Christmas Eve, which is a Sunday this year, we will have Christmas Eve services. But rather than being in the afternoon and evening as we've historically done, they will be that morning. So what we're doing is we're going to have two Christmas Eve services on the Sunday morning of December 24, Christmas Eve, at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and they will be identical to what we typically do on Christmas Eve in the evening. We'll just be doing it that morning. Candlelight, uh, the Christmas carols, a devotion that I will share with everyone, uh, etc., and then next year, in December of 2024, when uh, Christmas Day will be on Wednesday, because there's a leap year, Christmas Eve will be on Tuesday, we'll go back to having the 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the late afternoon, early evening, Christmas Eve services. So for this one year, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Just wanted to make sure you know that so you can plan accordingly. In fact... Uh, it's going to be much easier for you to invite neighbors and friends and guests to come to Christmas Eve this time because it won't interrupt necessarily their traditional Christmas Eve uh, uh, events and family gatherings. And so they can come with you on Sunday morning this year to Christmas Eve. All right, First John uh, chapter 3. And before I share a brief devotion, I just want to do a little teaching like I did yesterday, but none as long. Uh, from verse 6, because I know some people read this, especially if they read it uh, in the King James translation or the New American Standard translation or the English version, English Standard version, can create a little confusion. And there have actually been theological systems based on a misunderstanding of this verse. Verse 6 says, No one who abides in him, no one who abides in Jesus, sins. And no one who sins has seen him or knows him. And some people read those verses and say, if I'm a true Christian, then I do not sin at all. And if I sin, it means I'm not a true Christian. So you have some holiness groups, you have some Nazarene groups and others who believe when you sin as a Christian, you lose your salvation because you can't be saved in sin. So if you sin, you lose your salvation and you have to get saved again. And that creates a lot of struggle and a lot of just anxiety and, and so on for a lot of people. So what is he really saying here? Well, the, the New Living Translation says that if you abide in him, you know him, you do not, um, you do not, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, keep on sinning. The NIV uh, you don't continue to sin. The word sin here, and, and remember, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek language and the English language are very similar, but they're also different in some ways. And um, verbs in the Greek language can have different kinds of action. Uh, one is, is, is typically called punctiliar action. In other words, something happens it happens once, it happens at that moment, and that's it. There's also repeated or continuous action. In other words, this is something that continues, that is constantly repeating or it's ongoing. 
And uh, we really don't have the same type structure in our English language. The idea here then is that no one who abides in him, in Jesus, is continually, constantly sinning. It's the idea of, of just habitual sin over and over and over and over and over and over, and you never overcome it. You never change. It's the idea that your lifestyle, um, unlike what we talked about yesterday, because yesterday in chapter 2, the evidence of salvation includes obedience to the Word of God, uh, living as Christ lived, a righteous lifestyle, and so on. The, the point here is if you are truly saved and in Christ, your lifestyle will reflect it. And rather than living a lifestyle that's just sinning like everybody in the world, you live a lifestyle that is righteous, that is different. He's not saying that if you are saved, you are sinless, that if you are saved, you are perfect, you never sin. What he's saying is, if you are saved, you have a lifestyle that is righteous. Not perfect, but different. That's the idea here. The, the Greek verb, sins, and all of these verses here in chapter 3 is the same idea. It's continuous, continual sin, a, a, a sinful lifestyle. Now, somebody, I can, just, I can just hear somebody say, well, how many sins does that mean I can commit? Um, and I'm still saved, but if I commit more than that, I'm lost... You're asking the wrong question. Stop thinking like that. What, what this is saying, that is if you follow Jesus, your heart's desire is to live a righteous lifestyle, and you do that. You don't put a number on it. You'll sin more one day than you do another day. But does your lifestyle reflect a relationship with Jesus? Now, you, you know if it does or not. God does. God knows if it does or not. And the truth is, most people, if they watch you over a long period of time, they will say, you know, the evidence is such, there's no doubt he or she loves Jesus. Or they may look at you and say, you know what? The evidence is there's no doubt you're a hypocrite. Or it may be you live in such a way that people look at you and say, you know, I'm not sure. Sometimes he acts like a Christian, sometimes he doesn't. I just don't know. What the Bible is teaching is that if you know Jesus, you live in such a way, people know it. They know that your lifestyle, it shows, it demonstrates that you love Jesus Christ. Now, um, spend a little more time on that uh, than I wanted to, but just wanted you to, 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 to know that because that verse is an important verse, but a confusing verse. And when you read on down through verse 10, he talks about it, and that's what it's all talking about. Now, devotionally, just real quickly, verse 17. Verse 17, because he's already taught in, the, in verses 13 and following that... Um, if you're a true disciple, you're going to love fellow believers, like we talked about yesterday. That's one of the evidences of being saved. And then, then verse 17 is out of that context of loving others and laying down your life and sacrificing for others. That he says in verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods, whoever has material things, whoever has resources and, and possessions and money and, and, and so on, and sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? What he's saying is if you're truly saved and God's love is in you, you have a generous heart and you help people. If you're not generous and you have and, and, and you don't 
use what you have to help others, the Bible says it calls into question whether or not God's love is even in you. And that's the word for today. And let me just say this in closing. A lot of people will be generous at Christmas. What about January? And what about March? What about July? Because generosity on the part of a believer is not a seasonal thing. It's part of a lifestyle. That's the word for today. I'll see you tomorrow as we look at chapter 4.